thing is like 800 years old, but like he makes a good host too. Like just keep it moving. He does. Uh, like I'd say Larry King could do it, but he's like 800 years old. He's dead. He's dead. You're right. Holy <laughs> shit. He's dead. He just died like two months ago. That's right. <laughs> a lot yeah. of people well, we died. Gotta... Just watch the um, immemorium yeah. on one and a half speed. But too many people are dying. Yeah. Welcome to Idiot Block, a comedic podcast critiquing, discussing, and analyzing the media industry through reviews, debates, and historical deep dives. Hello and welcome to another episode of Idiot Plot. I'm David Yarst, joining me as always are my co-hosts Alex Overdahl. What's up? And Justin Neitzel. It's all part of the plan. Yeah, on today's episode, we're talking about the Oscars. That's right, just this past week from recording, the 93rd Oscars took place, and there's a lot to talk about. We're going to break it down from the winners, the losers, and the show itself. Um, but to get started, I, I want to get. I want to talk about the show itself. Um, as we know, COVID, know. COVID kind kind of made them change their plans. So having this big lavish ceremony, they opted for a more intimate, um, cinematic experience with different hubs throughout the world where people could come in and watch the show, and different nominees could take place. Um, now, I didn't plan on watching the Oscars what I did and to start us off I kind of want to say what a bizarre experience this was I didn't expect to watch the whole thing I just caught a little bit but I couldn't look away it was so weird it was a good thing it took place in a train station because it was basically a train wreck yeah that was weird too that they just even started off it was in a train station which was bizarre yeah that was a big controversy around here like why is that conversation? Well, they clear they cleared up all the homeless people. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose I didn't think about that. Yeah, I, I I didn't expect I didn't I didn't expect that part. Wow, oh, that's yeah, it was a bit, it was a big deal around here. That, that's I, we didn't hear anything about that, obviously, but they, they don't want that getting yeah. out. That, 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 that they did that because that I makes it was shot. Steven Soderbergh being one of the producers makes sense because it was shot like a weird Soderbergh horror yeah, on yeah. iPhones. <laughs> yeah, I was really confused when I first started watching it because I was like, this looks pre recorded. This, this looks pre taped. The way it's edited, the way it's shot, it, it was in like anamorphic, which didn't look right. It, it looked weird. And the camera. Speaking of camera stuff, I don't know. I I, I run cameras professionally um, for these kind of events or for TV stuff. What the heck were they telling those cameramen to do? Some of those shots were so awkwardly hilarious. Like the one, what was it, production design? Was that the category where, like, the nominees were sitting behind whoever was presenting it? I think it was Halle Berry. And the camera, like, moved in and looked at all of the different nominees. Yeah, and you could tell it was, like, instead of, like, zooming, they were right up by them. They're just, like, standing two feet away from the nominees, and they're like, uh, uh, can you get away, please? Well, if they were going to do that, they could have also ordered the nominees in, like, a specific order, considering they went one way, and then also they jolted back, and then they had to jolt back to where they were, and it's just like, maybe you guys should have put out placemats, being like, here, you sit here, you sit here, so when we can sweep down and cover all the people who are nominated. 
I remember the one woman who just like stared right into the camera, like the super angry look. Well, everyone, everyone else like looked away and pretended like the camera wasn't right there. Uh, she just she owned it and just looked right at the camera. <laughs> but that was like, this is like I said, the word that came in my head was bizarre. You had that where that just didn't look right. It looked wrong. Even though that was clearly intentional, it didn't look right. Um, you had that weird game they played. They only, like, they only had like one weird game segment, and it was the music one with with Lil Real Howie and Questlove. Well, the music choices were all over the place as well, even during walk-off musics. Yeah, it was very strange. Like, I mean, the, the whole dead game segment, very... Dancing playing close. Yeah, that was not, not great. Yeah, what? it was clearly designed to be like that Twitter blowout moment, but it feels so artificial that it's like, why are you doing that? Especially considering they cut, which is like the one good thing they did do, which is cut the games and the, you know, all the extra stuff. But then you have this one randomly, which is more awkward than any of them, just because it, it felt so, like, bizarrely staged. Well, that and it ran on too long, and then all of a sudden the memoriam was right after it, and then they speed it up, and you can't even read half the names that are showing up on the screen. Yeah, well, I The think- memoriam was inconsistent. It was like some names would be on for, like, two seconds, some would be on for half a second, and then there was, like, no pattern to it. It, it just was, was like it was weirdly spaced out, and the music was really bizarre too. They were they they cut it to the music, and yeah, that's why also it was like, which is horrible. Why are you cutting a segment about people who died to like the beat of a song? And why are you choosing such an upbeat song that you would have to yes. do that? Yes, sir. It's like boom, dead, boom, yay, dead. they died. Woohoo! No longer boom, here. Boom, dead, boom, dead, boom, 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 boom. Boom. Yeah. Uh, what, 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 what was it last year? Was on there for like two seconds, like half a second. Like I barely saw Diana Reagan there because it was like, oh, this is a fast part of the beat. Was it last year that Billie Eilish? What she sing? I think I thought it was Billie Eilish. I know she sang like like a cover. I think Eddie Vedder was the year before that. They sang lives. Yeah. What did what, what did she? What did Billie Eilish sing? Look this up quick. Bugging me. I was going to say the Bond theme, but that movie hasn't come out yet. Yeah, that song will be out by like two years. She's not singing the Bond theme for the Immemorium section. (laughs) She's singing No Time to Die. Now I'll debut my new single. (laughs) Time for you to die. That was less disrespect cutting it to the beat. It was yesterday. She's singing Yesterday by the Beatles. What, What did Eddie Vedder sing? Okay, it's not saying. I guess it was Tom Petty. It's not saying what song it was. I'm not, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna play it now. Um, but I mean, the memorial section is usually like the somber, reflective moment. Yeah. And this was just like everyone's dead. Like it was. It was, it was like a celebration. Why I am you're dead? Yeah. It was. It was pretty. It was pretty bad. Um, but speaking of music. I want to I want to get to what I think was probably the most entertaining part of the show, which was Questlove's music choices. Holy <laughs> crap! <laughs> they were hilarious. And it was funny. Every time there was a winner, he did like a record scratch. It was the best for the ceremony, but I was entertained. Yeah, Justin just said it. 
But we, I was die, I was dying at the point. I think it was my octopus teacher when they won. The one woman who went for it talked for like five minutes straight, and then it ended. Like she went like back to the mic to talk again. And all I heard was fwah, 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 air horn, and then nine to five by Dolly Parton started playing. <laughs> it was, or after after the best picture winner, they started playing. Um, we can build this dream together by Starship. We're nothing's gonna stop us now. Whatever it's called. It was the most weird blend of music. You tell Questlove was having a blast. Yeah, but, uh, but like... He also looked like he was a little high. <laughs> but, like, I, I think that it's better, like, especially for, like, Best Picture, like, why aren't they playing, like, the the score from the films, right? Like, why, you know, when you're coming up, usually they'll play the, the score from the film or something. It was... It, some of it was funny, but I don't know if it was the best from like the perspective of the ceremony. If that makes sense, like yeah, um, and it, and it, well, I think that's the big complaint that you're going to see from most people about the Oscars this year specifically is that it seemed to me watching it, they're they, they're trying to cater to both the industry itself and people who don't really watch the Oscars, and you can't do both, right? Yeah. You had the intimate, like almost industry-only ceremony, and you had all of the weird other choices like the music, the the art design, all of the stuff that to me screamed like more that they were trying to, to attract more people that don't necessarily watch the Oscars or Oscar movies. Um, if they really wanted to get people who don't watch the Oscars, they should have just had them all out like on a park or something and were grilling out and <laughs> wearing normal clothes. <laughs> not going to lie, I, w- I would watch that. You've got like Bong Joon-ho grilling brats with Martin Scorsese. <laughs> I mean, like, who doesn't want to just go out and hang out while people are barbecuing and handing out awards? That, that, that should be pretty funny. But yeah, I, I do agree. Like, the thing is, with all this stuff that caters to people who don't watch, first off, it, it always ends up cringy and, and doesn't really work. But two, like, who's going to be like, I don't care about these industry awards, but hey, there's going to be a three and a half hour show with maybe one game for five minutes. I'm going to tune in for three hours now. Well, also, if you're trying to pander that audience, most of that audience does not. They don't typically watch these movies. They don't watch the Oscar bait movies. Well, specifically this year, you couldn't watch most of these movies. Depending on, where, depending on where you lived, like there are several movies that you just could not watch, and this is why I wanted to pay exorbitant amounts of money, in my mm. opinion. And my paying paying twenty bucks to rent a movie is pretty ridiculous. But that that that's what you had unless unless you had the option to go to it to a theater, films like Minari. And the father, that's your only option. Yeah. Most people aren't going to do that, especially in this situation. They're not going to go. They'll they'll go out for Kong v. Godzilla or Godzilla vs. Kong, but they, but they won't go out to see Minari. Well, also, um, with nowadays, movie times are the hardest thing to figure out right now. Are you referring to, like, showtimes? Yeah, like, showtimes. Like, they're only on Fridays and Saturday and Sundays, and you have to try to work around your weekend to go see it, where sometimes, before this, you could go on, like, a Tuesday night, Wednesday night, whenever you had free time. That's why I didn't see both Minari and The Father. I could have. They were in theaters right down the street. Um, I could have, but... There were there were literally no short times I could make. I had no choice. There was nothing I could do. Yeah. Um, but also, we talk about Alex. You mentioned the whole three-hour ceremony thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think they were trying to make it shorter this year. However, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. But it felt like to me like no one got played off when they made speeches. I feel like people were talking for like five or six minutes of speech for for awards nobody cared about. No, they, I, let, they let them go on for as long as they wanted. There was no playoff music at all. I do think that like they play generally would play people off too quickly because like I would much rather watch people talk than another bit or commercials. But they did let it go on to the point where like they, some people were running out of things to say. And it's like, you should probably wrap this up now. Like, they're almost expecting to get played off. So they're like, all right, I'm still talking. Is anybody going to stop me? Yeah, I think they were talking until they heard the music. See, I was, it it, looked, it like, seemed like that. Was it was it two years ago when they used Ride of the Valkyries as, as the playoff music? Because that was my favorite one. When they're just talking, oh, here's Ride of the Valkyries. Or the one time that they, they started cutting mics. Like they, they, they didn't even play music. They started cut, cutting mics and... And went on to the next thing. I think for, for me, the solution, like, they don't want to do it clearly, but, like, you're going to get more for your ads if there's more people watching. More people are going to watch if you make the show shorter, more concise. Like, people are there to watch. The people who are there are there to watch the awards. They want to see the the films and the people get awarded, you know, and there's so many commercials and extra things that it takes away from it. Well, there was also, like, with a voiceover, like, we're like, oh, next we're going to have Brad Pitt. And they're like, oh, by the way, we're still on time. It's like, well, what was your time? Because it doesn't seem like you're on time. <laughs> um, speaking of numbers, because you brought that up, Alex, let's talk about the ratings for this year's Oscars quick. Um, they are the lowest they've ever been. They were under 10 million for the first time, less than half of last year's. Now, I know most people are going to say it's because of the pandemic, but last year's Oscars were also during the, the pandemic and were a much more stripped down show than, than this was. So I think the Oscars have a challenge on their hands figuring out what went wrong because those ratings are a disaster i think most of us expected them to be that low yeah but i think it's like holy crap it's that paradox of everything they do to try and attract more people to watch is going to lead to less people watching because the people who it's not catering to what the people who watch this care about and you're not going to attract people who aren't interested in the awards at all and like the quality, and all you do by the was lower, and that that was a big problem. All you do by making the these changes is lose the people who actually watch the Oscars because they because because they come to expect a certain type of show, and when you change that, they're gonna be pissed. I have no problem with them trying to adjust, but it seems like they're overcorrecting too much, and yeah. like you said, they're forcing they're pissing off the people that normally watch and they're not getting anybody that they want to watch. Is that one thing that I always found interesting, just as someone who likes movies, like they didn't do this this year as far as I saw, maybe I wasn't looking, but like in past shows, sometimes they would play like an extended thing for the Best Picture nominees throughout the show. You know what I'm talking about? They would play like that series of clips and stuff of the Best Picture nominees throughout the show. Or like the best actors throughout the years. Yeah, stuff like that. Like, oh, here's a bunch of best actor performances that were super memorable and great. Like, we're there to watch things related to film. Mm-hmm. It was weird because this whole show seemed stripped down, but it was the same length, if not longer, than previous shows. Yeah. Well, I think that because also think goes... The ultimate failure. Well, I think it also goes to all the presenters as well. I mean, half the presenters 
as they were naming the actress or the movie that was being made, they had, they gave little comments of what they thought of it, and it's like just name the movie it's and move right. on. And like the whole like it's oh they said, did this one thing as a kid or whatever they did all those weird little things instead of showing clips from the from the things they're announcing like wherever mm-hmm. the clips of the acting for for the acting awards you know like again that's why I said it seemed like it was almost more an industry thing it seemed like they're trying to be more intimate with the industry but then. You also have all the other decisions that were clearly made, like like having Questlove do the music was clearly meant to get more people who didn't care to watch. But also, they start doing crap that I would expect from like the Game Awards with with all the trailers for upcoming movies and stuff. Like, but like they clearly, they clearly had no idea what they were trying to, to do with this. It felt and it the- felt directionless, felt rudderless. It was it was not fun to watch. I mean, it was in some ways, but not the ways they wanted it to be. And all the trailers were to basically musicals. That was also weird. Yeah. All, th- all three of them coming out this year got extended trailers. Specifically for the Oscars, which, I mean, we all know West Side Story is probably going to be favorite for Dexter's Oscars. Well, the first one won Oscars, so this one should win Oscars. And Steven Spielberg's basically just shooting the shooting that one all over again. So, can it be a shot for shot remake? It probably is. It looked like it, to be honest. Yeah. But I want to talk about now the elephant in the room that we've been kind of holding off on, which is the biggest change the Oscars made this year, uh, and probably the most controversial part of this year's Oscars, which was the change in the order. Now, I noticed the change in the order the moment I tuned in because they seemed to be further along than where I thought they were. Best director was given pretty early. Um, Normally, cinematography comes after sound, but it didn't this year. Uh, Normally, best supporting actor starts off the show, but it was screenplay. It was the whole whole thing was bizarre and and made had no clue how far we were in the words i I had no idea to gauge where we were at i know we turned it on you're like oh wow we're already here they might actually get done in a good amount of time or they're not showing any of certain words and then all of a sudden we're like wait what are they doing what's happening yeah and it's like it, it was strange to watch just have yeah having no feel for what's going to happen and then all of a sudden it's like yep. up next we have best picture excuse me <laughs> excuse me the biggest award that is the biggest like i don't care if you re change up the yeah, order we, we a little bit have the award i was so confused but best yeah, picture I, should be last i care a lot about these i i stopped watching because i'm like that's what i that's why I'm here. I'm here to see, like, you, you build up to Best Picture because that is the biggest award the industry has by far is Best Picture. Well, and it's also a combination of all these other awards coming together yeah. to the main event. Mm-hmm. And, like, and this is that afterthought. And here is the best of all of these things. Look, an afterthought. You, you had Nomadland win, which they were very confused by. Um, like it, it seemed really like, like they weren't sure how much time they had because they weren't last, so they were like kind of confused. And then Princess McDermott walked up and howled like a wolf. She basically then, she basically gave her best actress speech during the Best Picture award, and then she won Best Actress, and then like walked up there and like she, I got nothing else she, to say. The like, crazy person rambles. 
like 30 seconds like blah, 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 and then fucking ran off <laughs> that was definitely the shortest speech and uh, i oh, mean no no it wasn't because the shortest speech was what came next <laughs> right 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 i forgot but before it's like to me like it's almost like disrespecting the best picture award because you've got two after it just became an afterthought when that's the great like the biggest award the industry has and you know a lot of talk uh especially for what we're about to get to for the order is like a lot of people don't know like whose choice it was a lot of, you know the the academy's kind of catching some strays there but everything we know is that it was abc abc deciding for the broadcast they decide the order and the presentation uh the academy is ju- it just picks the nominees and winners um is it time for the tinfoil hats the tinfoil hats yeah tinfoil hat david time okay abc made the decision who owns abc disney disney and what were they setting up by moving best actor to last oh jeez we all know what they were setting up when the best awarding the actor panther and for that, yep, they set up a Chadwick Boseman. Yeah. Instead, they award the pl- yep, uh, person who plays Odin. I mean, it was, it was very obvious what they were doing. The moment I saw Best Picture one last week, I was like, oh, oh no, oh no, they, no way. Like, oh wait, can I hear it? This is rigged. This is rigged. You were convinced. You know, yeah, yeah, I was, I was pretty mad. The of who decides the order versus who decides the winners came up because all of a sudden, <laughs> who I was shocked. Up. I was, I was dying. Yeah. Well, especially then, when they just throw up his face, and then all of a sudden, Joaquin Phoenix is like, uh, "Well, the Academy will accept his award because he's not here." And good night. And then all of a sudden, we were gone. <laughs> Olivia Colman, he, he. First off, he asked if he could call in from Zoom. They said no. Then he had Olivia Coleman there to because she was also nominated to accept the award on his behalf if he won. None of those things happened. They just ended it because they because they're, oh we 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 failed. Uh, just move on. Mission never happened. Better luck next time. It was it was a disaster. I was I, I mean I, I was dying of laughter. No, honest. I, I mean no disrespect to Chadwick Boseman. I have not seen the movie. His death is very tragic and shocking. I, I don't mean to undermine that at all. But I feel like if you were a Chadwick Boseman fan, what the Oscars did or what the ABC did, whoever responsible should disgust you because they were going to basically try to milk his death for ratings and for money and 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 for goodwill. That to me is just out of the back emotional send off, kind of using that assumption that that ABC made that he was going to win. It's deplorable behavior. I haven't laughed this hard since Moonlight, uh, La La Land mishap. And it's like since Emma Stone won Best Picture. Yeah. Well, (laughs) the thing is, is like they set this up and it backfired horribly in their face Mm -hmm. because they didn't know the outcome. They they just assumed and they're like we're gonna go this way well what if it's wrong well now they're reaping what happened mm-hmm. and, and it's taking away from anthony hopkins i've not seen the father but most people who have seen it have said it's probably the best performance of his career um but it takes away from that 
and he's like getting flack. He didn't do anything. <laughs> I bet it's one of those things that like his performance is so good that in a few years no one is going to remember this, right? Yeah. Besides, like when they look up weird things that happen at the Oscars, but right now it's taking away from from it when like anybody who's complaining about him winning has not seen the father because that performance is like a complete powerhouse and i thought it should win i didn't think it, it would win but the, the academy voted for it it was the best performance nominated and i get people complaining about it ha- haven't seen the father well you also gotta look out who else is nominated it's anthony hopkin riz ahmed steven you mm-hmm. gary oldman it's like this is a powerhouse these are the yep. five best actors. There's no guarantees. And there's like legends, Hopkins, old men, like those, those guys are are legendary. Mm-hmm. I mean, Anthony Hopkins won the Oscar for less than ten minutes of screen time, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it it's it, it's it's shameful what they did. I think it took. I think it takes away from Nomadland because because they should have ended the night with the big win and instead they just seemed very confused as to why they were up there um but i guess you, you guys just final thoughts on on the show itself i thought it was a train wreck i thought it was a disaster i think i think it's d- disgraceful to like or like disrespectful to like what the awards are supposed to be and like the the point and like what it means as far as like the industry like how important it is in the industry to like mess with it like that and try and like manipulate the order for their gain is like what are you doing well because you like you said the point of the oscars is the industry rewarding itself yeah which we which people seem to get confused by they seem to think it's the best movie well it's it's what the industry thinks is the best movie it's really going to be what audiences think is the best movie right well, like, that, might not have seen it or maybe they have it depends on the year and i mean yeah. even for like me i don't even think i've only seen four of the best pictures but i don't it, no man land was not my favorite yeah, yeah well, I, I really enjoyed it but i i would agree i have multiple higher but like it's you know it's we'll get into that in a second yeah, yeah. We're bringing up. but justin what are your final thoughts on the show itself i feel like this entire fiasco just took away from basically everyone who won an award that night because all they're talking about is uh, Anthony Hopkins not being there for his thing and basically it's taken away from everyone who won that night I I, 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 I agree with winners with, with winners that I thought were actually pretty good I thought this is one of the years where I was actually impressed by the picks like yeah they're kind of what we expected but I, I didn't expect some of these. Pleasantly surprised by by multiple nominees and then multiple winners when it when it came down to that. Let's get into that. Let, let's talk about the 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 winners and losers. Let's I'm gonna start important from, things. I'm gonna start from the bottom of the list and work my way up. Um, wow. T-shirt. <laughs> no, that's not the bottom. Uh, the bottom they have is the visual effects. Um, <clears throat> The nominees were Love and Monsters, The Midnight Sky, Mulan, The One and Only Ivan, and the winner, which was Tenet. But, uh, yeah, this was basically Tenet. a no-brainer. This was yeah. Tenet. 
that said, I really enjoyed it. Say what you will. Some people have had complaints about the the story and characters and stuff. Like no one is going to say anything bad about the effects in that film. That 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 said, I actually just watched Love and Monsters this morning, and for a thirty million dollar movie, the visual effects in that film are incredible. It looks amazing. Holy crap! Um, Tenant probably still should have won, but yeah, Love and Monsters. I would be. I, I would have been. Okay with that one winning. Um, but ten, of course, practical effects. Nolan's a god. Like, yeah, he's the best when it comes to blending CGI and practical effects beautifully. Even from Dark Knight. Yeah. Everyone forgets Dark Knight has has a bunch of CGI in it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just can't even tell. And and the stuff you think is CGI isn't like them flipping a freaking eighteen wheeler. They actually did that. And Tenet is also, like, to plan those effects with how it works as far as time, like the parts that move backwards, that there's a lot of planning involved to make it look as good as it does. So I I was very impressed by all the effects in Tenet. And I unfortunately just haven't seen enough of these movies because most of them actually weren't that good as movies. Like, that. that's yeah. mostly because the big blockbusters this year didn't come out. The ones that should be up here, a lot of them didn't come out. That would have been up for FX. Like, I'm sure, I mean, Dune could have certainly beat out Tenet potentially, but that's not even out yet. No Time to Die, possibly. Yeah. Yeah, all, all those ones that would have been heavy contenders, especially well, with wasn't, most practical. Wasn't CGI. Avatar supposed to come out this year, or was that pushed back that's, already? That's before? supposed to come out in 2021, and now it's about 2022. Okay, I, I can never terrible. remember. It's been 11 years. It's never coming out. <laughs> oh, it'll come out. James Cameron will execute Order 66 and flood the theaters with his $2 billion project or whatever it is. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, one only I haven't seen, but it's talking animals. So, I mean, really, is there Mulan? I haven't seen kind of out of the protest just because my sister, was, my sister was just watching that the other night. I'm like, you didn't pay 30 bucks for this, did you? She's like, no, I'm like, good. <laughs> I should watch it. I just keep forgetting. I honestly, this is going to be a theme of this. Any movie that's on Disney Plus. That was like released through Disney Plus. I didn't see because I just kept forgetting. <laughs> like, like I just I just forgot things instead. I forgot to watch it. Um, well, so. I, I would have watched Mulan if, well, besides just hearing bad things about it and stuff. Like, if it had used more practical effects, I probably would have seen it. Also, if they didn't slap <laughs> a thirty dollar price tag on it, that too. Well, then watch Love and Monsters. Like that's my pitch. You, if you like practical effects, it's not the greatest movie in the world, but Love and Monsters has a really good mix of both. Because I imagine Milan is like an epic. That would be like kind of sick. I would see that. But do you know what you have to do in order to actually do that? Pay 30 bucks. Re- remove Disney from the project. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a problem. In order to get Mulan, as Mulan should be, um, Disney has to not be involved with it. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. We always bash Disney every freaking week. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. <laughs> I can't help it. I mean, like they, they kind of I put mean, a target ABC on their own back. Did this show. ABC did this Oscar show. Like they're just they're just telling us to make fun of them. Like I'm, I'm sorry, I can't help it. They they stand for everything we don't like in the industry. Like, well, and when keep- you own like fifty percent of the industry, you're eventually going to get shit on for certain certain things. So. Yeah. Um. What well, have people said their piece on these movies? Yep. Yeah. Okay. 
So, uh, moving on, we have best film editing. Uh, Trial Chicago 7, Alan Baumgarten, Promising Young Woman, Frederick Thorval, Nomadland, Chloe Zhao, The Father, Yorgos Lamprinos, and the winner, Sound of Metal, Mikhail E.G. Nielsen. The second Danish winner of the awards, fun fact. (laughs) (laughs) The more you know. Um, Yeah. I've seen all all of these, but The Father, but Sound of Metal. Once I've seen Sound of Metal, definitely should have won. Holy crap! I will say, like, I agree. Sound of Metal and The Father, as far as editing, are like pretty much on par because the editing in The Father is super important. But I would say I agree with the choice. The Sound of Metal, the editing edges it out because, like The Father, it's so important to like. Th- putting you in the perspective of the main character. The editing is super important for the story and the, it was fantastically done. I think we're all in a great, I think we all love Sound of Metal, I assume. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, like I, The only ones I haven't seen are The Father and Promising Young Logan, Woman and The Trial of Chicago 7, I don't think should have been nominated for Best Editing. Or it should have been anything. That too. <laughs> but, I mean, editing it was shouldn't be up really here. bad. The editing was all over the place for sure. Let's cut. Let's cut in some stand-up comedy to this scene. <laughs> but yeah, it, it isn't stand-up comedy. It's just him explaining I, things I believe, that have happened. I believe No Man Land I, was also very well edited. Yeah, it's got no that world pace to it. Yeah, yeah. No, No Man Land from a technical standpoint is pretty spot on, solid. Um, it's interesting with No Man Land seeing the director also edit the, the, the movie. Yeah. I think the father looks like it might be the same the same deal. Isn't no it's not. Okay. I it thought Yorgos was, was a was 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 a director too. I'm I'm thinking of someone else. I think with Nomadland almost like because of that, it does put more on the direction, which is why she won for directing but not editing, because it's like how much of this is the directing choice, how much is this is the editing, and it's the same person, so <laughs> see I just thought no see I thought Nomadland like what did people think was gonna win? Because I thought Nomadland was gonna sweep all the tech stuff. So I was glad to see Sound of Metal get a win. I thought Sound I did think Sound of Metal was gonna win editing. That was kind of uh, kind of the buzz was that that or the father would win, but Sound of Metal was the front runner for that and sound. See, I didn't watch any of these prior, so I didn't really have a. Yeah, Ben, I, I I followed the list a little, like what was favored. I mean, I don't think Variety's guess, list was. But good, after but... watching it, I would have guessed probably Nomadland. Okay. What I've seen. Now we have best costume design. Uh, Pinocchio. You know, I'm not going to say these names. Pinocchio? I can't pronounce this. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, it's an Italian movie. It's do 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 you remember? You know about this? The, yeah. Do you do remember the 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 Italian Pinocchio movie from like 2003 that came out and nobody saw the live action one? Well, let that guy make another one for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, has three costumes, but it's Pinocchio, Mulan. Mank, Emma, and the winner. The most awkward movie to say on live TV, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. <laughs> that is like a top five awkward movie title. But See, I just assumed Emma would win. I was surprised that that won costumes over Mank. I was a little surprised. See, I thought Emma was going to win just because they always give it to the Victorian-era dress movie. That's that's true. I mean, to be fair with Mank, it's kind of hard because it's in black and white. It, you don't really get the see the vibrant colors and everything that, 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 that is part of it though just like choosing ones that kind of pop in the in the black and white 
Um, but certainly then you don't get like the the bright colors like like Marini's black bottom gets to like show the uh, costume design a little bit more that way. Um, I mean, I I wish it went to Mank, but that's just me. Yeah, because Mank technically and you have the award connected to that, which this... is makeup and hairstyling. Looking up this Pinocchio movie costume design is kind of interesting. Jeez. I mean. I mean that's probably why it, why it won. They, 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 you, you usually pick a um, some sort of fantasy one. Mm-hmm. Which one did Suicide Squad win? Was that makeup and hairstyling? It was makeup. Costume, yeah. I thought, too. It only won one. I know that for a fact. Yeah. I think it was. Oh, this was weird. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like this. <laughs> yeah, he looks like normal, but like wooden, and it's freaking me out. Mm-hmm. Oh, no siree. But anyway, we're going to work connected to that, which is Makeup and Hairstyling, the one at Suicide Squad one, which is basically the same nominees. It's Pinocchio, Mank, Hillbilly Elegy, Emma, and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Why is Hillbilly Elegy on any of these? I don't like, know. I don't why that was here at all. You know, I you know they come. It was supposed to be a big awards contender, and it was terrible. And they they gave it a few, like a few anyway. You know what's weird is like they combined the two sound elements as one Oscar. You think that they would have done best costume and design and hair and makeup and styling combined. This year, it doesn't stand out as much, but I will like stand up for having them separate just because like. It was created because of that, like Elephant Man not getting anything for its makeup. That's how the award got created. So it's like some some of the ones that are more makeup heavy, it's like really important for. But this year we didn't really have that. I suppose it does happen. Just I, I always seem like it always goes to the same one. Yeah, it usually does. If they're both if they're nominated for both, they'll go to the same one. We have Maureen's Black Bottom won, won both awards. It, it does have strong um, production design and makeup hair science, so that doesn't shock me. Actually, I can't say it because production d- d- designs a uh, is its own category too. Damn, gosh, that's confusing. That's weird. Well, that one is more about the set, like the sets. I think. Yeah. Now we're on to our first big award, big ish award for tech stuff: best cinematography. This will be interesting. The, the, the nominee is. We're Charles Chicago 7, we shouldn't be there. Nomadland, News of the World, Judas and the Black Messiah, and the winner, Mank. This one's tough. Yeah. See, like, here's what I think about Mank's cinematography. Like, it is very well shot. The one problem I have, and it sticks out like a sore thumb, if you're going to shoot your movie on digital, shoot it on digital. If you're going if you want it to have a film effect, shoot it on film. Don't shoot your film on digital. Add fake film specs to your digital shooting. Yeah, that was really weird watching it. I am it pops up on the screen. Like I really like this movie, but like that bothered like every time one of the, the specs comes on, it's a mental reminder. This was shot on digital. This is fake. Like they're adding it for an effect that they could have done by just shooting it on film. It's bizarre. I'm, I'm not a film. Actual composition and lighting is fantastic. Like the the lighting especially was really impressive. I'm not a film purist. I I have no idea why Mank was not shot on film. I have absolutely. Well, especially if you want the look of film, why not? Right. 
Well, it feels like they were they were they, they, they're going for that. I mean, it's in mono sound. So, right, they so they're that. going for that old film look. <laughs> but, they, but, they, but they don't. But they can't commit the whole way. Yeah, um, Judas and the Black Messiah does look damn good though too. I think um, that or Nomadland would have been my pick because, like, Nomadland you know, has some beautiful shots. Yeah, the environments are incredible. I but thought like, Nomadland was going to win just because the guy died. Oh, did he? Also, it happened twice. Yeah, like, well, well, well they didn't rig it. But, that's but they don't know about that. No one cares about cinematography. Um, I mean, well, well, and because it really was good cinematography. No one knows what cinematography is, is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard a presenter say. Everybody knows what cinematography is. That's right, I didn't say it. Well, no, that's not true. Because a lot of people, they, they, a lot of people, they, they only think it's angles and... Um, how and how a shot is composed, they completely forget the aspect of lighting and sure. how that basically Movement. makes or breaks cinematography. I would, say, I would say almost everybody watching the show is going to know what cinematography is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like No Man Land. That's where No Man Land to me excel was mm. the use of natural lighting. Holy crap! I yeah. mean, some of those shots look stunning. And we talk about bad digital and crap digital. No Man Land is great digital. Yeah, it's phenomenal. There were times where I was, right. where was times where I was watching it. And I'm like, am I watching a documentary? Because it felt kind of like it. Well, and, and I think one of kind my of favorite things too that we talk about with good cinematography, and I think Judas also did this very well. But like, how much it contributes to the story, like the the landscapes and environments in Nomadland, and how that contributes to like the character's journey and like what she's going through, like was really like stunning. That really blew me away. I like Judas's seventies vibes. Yes, because we, we've talked about how bad the the fake Joker seventies attempt was. Judas and the Black Messiah feels and looks like a seventies film in like the best way possible. Was, was, was Judas shot on film or just very very good digital? I think it was very very good digital, which is shocking because it looks like film. I wish it was film film, just because again. Going for that full seventies vibe. Um, so they, they contribute so much to the tension, just the way it's shot and the dark lighting and the the really close tense shots. I'm trying to think of any snubs for this category, but I can't think of any. Most of the big ones, I'd say. Um, uh, let me think. I'm sure you 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 say yes. the father's a snub was, for any category it's not in. Another round. I, I could have seen another roundup for cinematography or Minari. I was definitely very surprised to not see Minari in for cinematography. Although it does kind of have like the generic indie look to it, it's still well done. Uh, I mean, I, otherwise- I'm not too upset about it, but uh, Tenant 2. Yeah, yeah. I think all of them are better than that. Chicago 7. <laughs> yeah, Chicago 7 should not be up there. Just take that, replace it with something else, and it'll be fine. Yeah. Next, we have production design, which is Tenet, News of the World, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, The Father, and The Winner, which is Mank. Yeah, Mank, Mank should have probably won this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although Tenet wasn't bad for mm-hmm. setting up their... Uh, battles and everything there but make set design oh it was beautiful yeah they they were so intricate like all the little details in the sets were fantastic and that's that's always a mark of fincher but like this was really like 
heavy attention to detail and recreation of the period. Yeah, it was it was incredible how much he cared about old Hollywood. Maybe maybe arguably too much about old Hollywood. <laughs> maybe that's why the film kind of didn't land as good as it probably should have. Um, yeah, but from specifically that that standpoint, the movie's incredible. I mean, just the recreation of old sets, recreation of old studios. Even like old uh, newspaper um, buildings and shit. Yeah. And that allowed them, like, you know, I think with the cinematography and direction and stuff to take like some of those longer, bigger shots. Like the one that stands out to me is the the movie set one, right? Where Randall first is there and he sees like the big burning pyre and like you've got this whole set on set. Yeah. That's very well detailed, and you've got the dollies, and uh, also uh, Hearst's mansion. That whole thing is very expansive and interesting. It's beautiful. I want to see behind-the-scenes shots of the sets on the sets because I want to see a movie set filming a movie set. That always interests me. <laughs> that, that just sounds hilarious. We have this camera. We're filming that camera. It's very like interesting. That, that, that's just great. <laughs> Um, but I think I think the fa- uh, the other nominees were good. I mean, the father as well. Although that's like really confined to one or two locations, but like of course that means that the details are very important. God, where's Tom and Jerry's award for production? <laughs> that's what I'm. That's what I'm mad about. That's the next Oscars. I would have I would have liked to yeah. see up for production design or really everything, but you should honestly been up for production. What about Bad Boys for Life? Yeah. yeah. You know what? <laughs> Shit, you're right. We're unhinged. <laughs> Fat man. Fat, where's Fat Man's Oscars for Mental Design? Best Next, we have uh, Best Sound, which. This was unanimous, in my, in my opinion. Like, because you have Soul, News of the World, Mank, Greyhound, and the winner. Sound of Metal. There is no way Sound of Metal could not win this. I would have been furious. I I, I don't see how it could have lost. Yeah, like unless someone didn't watch the movie, it was just like I'm just gonna vote for Mank. Yeah, I doubt there there's a film I can think of where the sound is more important than it is in Sound of Metal. It's like the core of the story, like hearing what he hears. It's the whole story. Yeah, so it, it's and they absolutely nailed it. Incredible sound design, and and it plays really well into not just sound, but the lack of sound, silence, like the importance of silence. That last scene, completely done. Yeah, that's gonna be the best final so good. for sure of any film this year. Well, that and the father, but like incredible. Or, or just the scenes where they're signing. Yeah. The scenes where you're you just hear all you get is, is like, grunting and everything. Yeah, you know, I get the silence and, and like hand movements and banging some on the table. Like, yeah, it's like all of it. Like, is, it's like it's perfect. so realistic and gritty. And I think the most impressive one to me, to me is like the the hearing aid sound. Mm-hmm. That was amazing. Just like they don't even have to say anything. You just feel how in that scene you like, feel how emotionally crushed he is. Yeah, it's like oh man, and they don't have to say anything. They don't. He doesn't have to say anything because his performance is amazing and the sound is amazing. And that's the thing. Good good, good sound the design enhances a movie. I, I don't think. Sound should, should, should be one category. 
I do think we should get back to editing and mixing because they are very important things. They're, com- more than likely, completely, one both, they're completely but, two different things. Yeah, they, they are two completely different. It's, it's different people. It's not in the same departments, really. Um, are there movies nominated for sound? Honestly, Mank should not be on there, in my opinion. Yeah, I get it. Hit mono. Or movies did, 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 did mono instead of stereo. Still sounds like crap. <laughs> I think... It doesn't sound good. Personally, I don't mind that they did the mono sound. I feel like... I'm probably wrong. It almost feels like... It was like I want to say it was. It either wasn't recorded in mono or wasn't recorded that well in mono because like it doesn't sound as good as no, like not. when you watch an old film that's in mono sound, it sounds better than Manx's new fake mono. Yeah, it sounded like they recorded in stereo, mixed it into mono, is what it sounded like. Yeah, I could be wrong, but that's to me that's how it felt. Like I don't even know who even has mono recorders anymore. That could be part of it. <laughs> That's alright. I'm chill. I'm trying to remember Soul, and I'm trying to figure out why that's on the list. Cause I, uh, there's nothing really that screams sound about that movie. It probably shouldn't have. I mean, I haven't seen Sound because again, Disney Plus, so I kind of forgot it existed. But, but again, maybe I'm just forgetting something. But then again, there wasn't a lot of movies to choose from, so they're probably like, yeah, it was better than that. It has it had music in it. Let's put it in. Uh, the next category is one that I don't think we can really talk about: uh, best original song. <laughs> Which it, I was uh, I was happy with with what one because we have Speak Now from One Night in Miami, a movie that I think a lot of people thought was going to have more nominations, but kind of belly flopped on its arrival. Which um, that pattern. Low size scene from the Life Ahead. Don't know that movie. We have Husevik from Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga. Meryl in a wig was one of the highlights of the ceremony. Like that, honestly, just bravo, getting given that nomination. Uh, Hear My Voice from the Child of Chicago 7, nope. And Fight For You from Judas and the Black Messiah. Thank Probably you. Probably should have won. Um, yeah, got that one. Uh, I do find it interesting now, like... Less films now incorporate their original song at some point in the movie, and multiple of these were credit songs. Because they're usually the best songs. Yeah. I mean, it's true. I want to get back to the 90s when the end credit song was like some weird love ballad, even if the movie didn't call for it. That's what I think. Like Batman Mask of the Phantasm, ending with like Tia Carey singing the love ballad. I want more crap like that. This feels like an 80s award, like when you have it during the opening credits, like Power of Love, you know? like Yeah, Princes of the Universe. Yeah. All right, stick it with music. We have Best Original Score. Nominees were News of the World, Minari, Mank, To Five Bloods, and Soul, which was the winner for with Atticus Ross, John Batiste, and John Wick. I mean, Trent Reznor. <laughs> I say his name first too when announcing the award and then it's like okay I don't know which one won still you gotta say more names for me to know which one won <laughs> I, I I love that Trent Reznor is now like this movie soundtrack god I mean he had, he had, he had two nominees him and Atticus Tross yeah the guy who wrote Closer also writes half the Oscar film scores now <laughs> Get the guy who wrote her and other Ned and Snell songs. Yeah. But the dude writes amazing scores, though. <laughs> like, like, like that, that's the gist of the best ones, usually. I mean, I, I haven't seen Soul. It makes sense that it won because it's literally all about music, isn't it? 
Isn't that like a big part of it? Yes. Yes, yes. I mean, I guess that's why they won or they were nominated for best sound was all the music. Yeah, I think yeah, so I, sure. I, I thought Mank might have been the favorite coming in, but they were pretty close that in Seoul. Oh, what was the favorite? Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross or Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross? Out of the meeting room saying Trent Reznor, so it's got to be one of these two. We just add this last name just for so everyone really and knows. Add, and just add John Batiste, who I, who I also like a lot. I do like John Batiste. Yeah. His theme to the Colbert show, new one's really good. And his uh, arrangement of Green Hill Zone from Sonic the Hedgehog, which is in the new movie, is also like way better than any right to, to, to be. So, are there, Tenant Score probably should have been nominated, though. Yeah. Have to say, At the very end, like, if for nothing else, this the truck scene. I mean, the one that was in the, the Travis Scott song, that part of the beat, you know? <laughs> That was also in the original score. That part, like, that part slaps. Like, let's be real. Other nominees do we have? What else could have been there? It's probably too loud. Scoob. <laughs> where's Where's Wonder Woman? We need We need We need an Oscar for for the same Hans Zimmer theme we've heard eight times. Ah! I'm already. Yeah, we, we, we father we was the father up for score. I don't think it was. No, no. it wasn't. That had nice score. I mean, it's mostly just piano arrangements, but I don't know if it was original either. I, I guess there was a lot of like classical, so it probably wasn't. And that's what gets you. That's what gets you in some of these. Next, we have one that is probably going to be another brief topic. Best animated short film. We have Yes People, Opera, Genius Loki, Losi, Burrow, which is the Disney one, I believe. And, if any, and the winner, If Anything Happens, I Love You, which... Is the only one of these I saw, but is one of the most heart wrenching things you will ever watch. It's on Netflix right now. I highly recommend it. It's it's a short, so it's like seven minutes long. Little on the nose, but it's incredible. Yeah, I haven't seen any of these, so can't really give an opinion. Yeah, I, I just I just recommend that you guys watch that short. I know Alex, you would any anything that's animation, but but I do say. And um, it's only seven minutes. The mega no-no category for me. But 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 I but I will say give it give it give it a try. It's it's really good. It does not shock me. In fact, I'm glad because Disney didn't win an animation category, which is always I think good to to to, to see some years. Um, next, we have one I don't think any of us can talk about, which is best live action short film. Uh, which is we have White Eye, The Present, The Letter Room. Feeling through and the winner, two distant strangers. Anybody oh. watch any of these? No. No. <laughs> okay, I think we have to move move on. I always, I should watch these shorts, um, but I kind of, I kind of didn't want to after I think it was two years ago, where the one that won was about a white supremacist getting tattooed black. Oh yeah, I um, recently saw that. I was really confused. Like I don't, I don't want to watch that. So. Um, I'm kind of sure to watch some of these. Next, we have best documentary short subject. Again, probably can't find any any, any of this. Uh, a love song for Latasha. Hunger word. Do not split. A concerto is a conversation. And the winner is Colette. Has anybody seen any of these? No. Okay, we're moving on then to best documentary feature. Time, the mole agent, Crip Camp Collective, and My Octopus Teacher. No, I have not seen My Octopus Teacher. But the fact that the lady who made it talked for like 
seven minutes makes me not want to watch it. Well, yeah, I know. I somehow know. I I know some people have seen it and said it's good. I'm not a big documentary person, but they, they really enjoyed it. Um, I've heard it's good. It, you know, I just don't watch many documentaries. I've only heard. I've, I've only heard of the Octopus Teacher. I wish that um, crap. What's it called? It's a Netflix one. Um, the one about the guy that murdered his wife and three kids. Well, that sounds enjoyable. Well, it wasn't enjoyable, but it was it was made entirely out of first-hand footage. Murder Next Door, I think. Sounds like something that, yeah, one of the Netflix ones. Netflix likes the murdery ones. It was really good. Oh, uh, yeah, American Murder the Family Next Door. That one that one was excellent, I thought. But I also love, like, like first-hand footage documentaries. Those are always the most tense to me. Yeah. And I, and, and I watched a lot of documentaries this year, actually, but none of them were on here. So I can't really say. I mean, my, I mean, Class Action Park, I wish could have got something because Class Action Park was fantastic. Um, I know a lot of people like Feels Good Man, and, and a lot of people think that that should have been nominated. That's the one about Pepe the Frog and, and about the creator of Pepe, Pepe the See, documentary is always weird to me because, like, that's the one that like TV shows have won. Yeah. So I'm not quite sure how it actually works. Um, I thought some people are, are going to say last blockbuster should have been up there. Social dilemma, maybe. Um, Dick Johnson is dead is another one I've heard a lot of people say should have been nominated. But again, I haven't really seen a lot of these. I mean, if B, if the if Peter Jackson's Beatles one was out, that probably would have been the winner for sure. But that has till next year. Moving on to Best International Feature Film, we have Quo Vadis Ida, The Man Who Sold His Skin, Collective, Better Days, and the winner, which I think was obvious to everyone, Another Round. Yeah, a bunch of other movies and Another Round are the nominees. It became pretty obvious that Another Round was going to win when the director was also nominated for Best Director. It was pretty obvious. It had a chance to sneak into a few other categories that I, I would have liked to see it up for, like, screenplay. Uh, I, I feel like it should have been up for Best Picture, especially over, uh, you know, the two that we'll talk about later. But yeah, I, that's the, the one I've seen. Uh, I was really looking forward to it. It's excellent. Um, it's a lot of fun while also being very thought-provoking. It's a great film. I mean, Mads Mikkelsen trying to maintain his blood alcohol level while teaching. I mean, that's one word you need. God, I love Mads Mikkelsen so much. He's so good. Yeah, I didn't see any, 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 his movies, kind so. of look in a really unique, interesting way. And Vinterberg is someone who's really getting a lot of recognition over the years and is like building up. I think whatever he does next has a good chance to be up for Best Picture. How much time did Tully gets the MCU movie? <laughs> I hope not. Oh, God. Yeah, I haven't seen any of these, so I can't speak yeah, on them. I highly really recommend another round. I haven't it's, seen it's that. A shame. It's a shame I haven't seen these. Honestly, watching these, I wish I saw more movies this year, but the situation was pretty tough trying to watch them. Now we're at Best Animated Feature Film, which is Wolf Walkers, A Shaun the Sheep Movie Farmageddon, Over the Moon, Onward, and The Winter Soul. The Winter Soul. No one's shocked that Soul won, I don't think. No. Not even me who likes Onward a little better. Most people think, actually, a lot of people think Wolf Walker should have probably won because Cartoon Saloon keeps getting snubbed every time they're nominated. I haven't seen Wolf Walker over the boon, so I can't talk to those. And I ha- and But 
I haven't seen Shaun of the Sheep movie, but if it's anything like the other ones, it's pretty probably pretty enjoyable and fun. Yeah, Armin saw it. I still have to watch the first Shaun of the Sheep before I can watch Farmageddon. They just didn't I love Armin. I love them, but they just haven't interested me as much. They looked almost too little, little kiddish, and I heard that they're not. But it's just it's how it it's, it's how it looks. Yeah, it's all how it looks. My wife loves cartoons, saloon, like Secret of Kells, Song of the Sea, those those movies, and she's really mad. Wolfwalkers didn't win, but she, it's on Apple. No one has Apple. No one's watching it. <laughs> But so apparently it's pretty good. I wanted to watch it before this podcast recording, but I was I was unable to, un- unfortunately. It's enjoyable. I'll, I'll probably watch it this weekend. It's Pixar. I'm sure it'll, it'll be entertaining. Now we're up to one. I'm sure Alex will have plenty of thoughts on. We're at Best Adapted Screenplay. The nominees are The White Tiger, One Night in Miami, Nomadland, Borat subsequent movie film, and The Father. Borat even had a screenplay? That's that I was gonna say that too. That that still surprises me, like that it meets the requirements because so much is unscripted. So I guess that the scripted portions were scripted enough that it met WGA guidelines and was then nominated. There's like 15 writers on this movie too. Yeah, it's it's very very strange. I was definitely not expecting it. Like I love Borat too, but like screenplay, it's like it's shocking that it has enough screenplay to be eligible. But the winner was, I mean, the father had the best screenplay of anything this year easily. Uh, so I was very happy, pleasantly surprised to see it win. I really like Nomadland, but like screenplay wise, it it doesn't hold a candle to the father's script. Like, in my opinion, Nomadland screenplay was some of the weakest parts of it. Yeah, I think it worked, but it's a very direction driven film. Like, it's it's driven by the way it's directed, much less than the way it's shot. Yeah, and the father is like this complete like very empathetic and very detailed look at like dementia. And that's such a hard topic to discuss. And it does it perfectly. Doesn't ever fall into stereotypes or anything on the nose doing it from his perspective and the way that's written and paced and how it helps get into his mind is like, and it's a flawless script. Do we, should we talk about the, the next script? I'm going to enjoy this one. Do we have to? <laughs> Best original screenplay. The nominees are The Trail of Chicago 7, Aaron Sorkin, Sound of Metal, Minari, Judas and the Black Messiah, and the winner, Promising Young Woman. It's a crime that Judas and the Black Messiah did not win. Yes. At first, I was happy that Chicago 7 didn't win because I strongly disliked that movie. And then I watched Promising Young Woman and I regret everything I said. Uh, <laughs> this is maybe the worst script I've legitimately like ever seen nominated for screenplay. It's really bad. It's it's it dabbles because like, I, I watched it yesterday. The screen. I don't like the movie at all, but the screenplay to me is the worst part of it. Mm-hmm. The uh, the dialogue reads like somebody took a bunch of Wikipedia facts and put them into a script. It dabbles way too much in tropes, like in, in cliches, and and I feel like when you're dealing with a subject matter such as sexual assault and rape, to make a story that's almost entirely cliches and tropes, and and in all these sayings that are kind of memes at this point, I think does that 
store it does that topic a disservice it's it's mm. gross yeah that that's the other thing like the gross specifically like the morale somehow like the morality of this film which you wouldn't expect with the subject matter you would think it has to handle it delicately especially to be nominated but like it's handling of the subject and what the main character does it is like morally like i have major issues with this and a lot of people do like some of the things that happen and she does but then also just like the ridiculousness of her plans to begin with are like absurd writing like mm-hmm. i don't know how this could like anybody could look at this plot and consider it at all logical or doing any kind of service to such a serious subject and really it's joker for a new subject it feels like a first draft that they just filmed yeah, and not bad first draft. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 the dialogue is unrefined. The it it's still it's like 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 watching the movie. Bo Burnham isn't funny. Bo 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 Burnham can't do good. You can't can't deliver all the comedy because the jokes and the jokes that are in it in quotes are so dry and and bad. That's the worst part. I thought he was like maybe the best part of it, which says something about this movie. Because <laughs> I. I love Bo Burnham. To a com- until he turns into like a comic book villain. Yeah, like I love Bo Burnham. He has a hard time with the script. Um, now, does it like seem said, like it's his humor or it's humor written for him? He oh, he's definitely reading it off a script. He's definitely not ad living. Okay, it's not it's not Bo Burnham's humor by by far. But but the screenplay is just it's just it's it's awkward. It's weird. Yeah, but and even like that, Gross. the female characters are treated with stereotypes and are treated like nastily and like it's very bizarre, like just the way it's handled and treated and the the person who actually experienced this this trauma isn't even a part of the story really yeah like like it's it, it's hard to talk about because it's such a deep subject matter yeah but the movie i think does a disservice i think i i would uh, insulting might be too strong of a word but but it, but but i clearly i would use it <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah it's it, it's pretty it's pretty gross. It's probably it, it's, what so what it's basically the opposite of what the father was, where it's stereotypical on all fronts. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Antithesis for its subject matter. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It 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 reads like again, someone just took facts off the internet and went this goes just this goes in and this goes in and this goes in. Like like there, there's no nuance at all. Um, the winner definitely, in my opinion, should have been Judas and the Black Messiah. Absolutely. How. How did that not win? Especially, I mean, talking about, like, serious subject matter, that's a serious subject matter that's handled with, like, incredible detail and balance and, like, gives you the whole perspective of everything. Because that could easily be, like, another Chicago 7 that's cheesy, that's, like, poorly written and stereotypical and, again, just, like, stereotypes everything. But it's super detailed and gives you this full breadth of the picture and that makes it much more powerful to like be so realistic and matter of fact with what happened and, and dialogue is amazing in that movie yeah it like that, that movie script is it's so crazy and insane yet it's what actually happened but it's nuanced it's tactful it's always- no side is like a there's like no mustache twirling villains in it it's all pretty realistic, and I think yeah, yeah, the only one that is was just how he exactly was in real life and isn't in it very much. <laughs> when, yeah, uh, for <laughs> yeah, Jay, Jay, Jay Hoover wasn't much as truly a bad guy, but everyone else, who even like the bad guys, like just, just 
Yeah. So yeah, Trail Chicago Seven should not be on here at all. That script no, is it's terrible. Just it's just because Sorkin, who Aaron, has written great scripts, this is not one of them. Aaron Sorkin, Aaron Sorkin, all over this script. Yeah, it was it was really bad. It should not have been up there. Yeah. This, this, this is one of the few scripts someone would write of Sorkin, honestly. This is one of the few categories that I, in my opinion, would say that the wrong movie won. Mm-hmm. But there's not a ton of that in this. But I felt I, I, no matter what that was going to happen, because that in Chicago 7 were the two favorites. I'm like, OK, <laughs> all right, guys, I give up. Next, we have Best Supporting Actress with Amanda Seyfried for Mank, Olivia Coleman for The Father, Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy, Mar- Maria Bakalova for Borat, subsequent movie film, and I'm, I'm going to butcher this. Yunya Jung, is that how it is? That's not terrible, I think. For, 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 for Minari as the winner. I was hoping Maria uh, Bakalova would win just so Borat would win an Oscar. Yeah, but I think I think her and the winner were the were the two best for sure. But like she carried Minari. I mean, my goodness, I'll get to my thoughts on Minari in a little bit. Uh, it's a it's solid. I just didn't like it as much as everybody else. But man, she like she put this film on her back, <laughs> like easily the best part of it. She's phenomenal. Like she yeah, really. She- did a lot of the weightlifting. Her speech made me want to watch that movie because she was charming as heck in her speech. Hey, on Brad Pitt. Performances, yeah. Like, Glenn Close was only up there because she's Glenn Close. Yeah, because that movie was widely panned. She, I, she's the only actress. I mean, the Razzies are a joke, but the only person ever up for a Razzie and an Oscar for the same performance. I will. I will give credit to Amanda Seyfried, though. I mean, mm-hmm. I did not recognize her at first, and I was like, "Wait, is that Amanda?" Like, like holy shit, she is really like she's holding her own. Like this yeah, is the, really good. this is the best I've ever seen her. I normally hate her, but she, she gave really the good. best performance in that film. Like as much as I like Gary Oldman, I think her, she gave the best performance in the film. Olivia Coleman is great in everything, so I don't really know what needs to be said. <laughs> this was a really good category. Like her and the the father. She's done, she's obviously not in as much as Hopkins. He's in every scene, but when she's there, she's excellent and has a number of standout scenes. It's a, very, it's a very relatable character. You know, she gives such a relatable performance because so many people have been in her position dealing with that something like that happening to their parents. Like, and she she's incredible. The, 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 this was it was a tough category. I think for a lot of people to decide who was going to win. I really but, would have been happy with any non Glenn Close winner. <laughs> honestly, yeah, me me too. Same. But here, but here we have my opinion, which is the toughest category of the Oscars, which was Best Supporting Actor. We had Lakeith Stanfield for Judas and the Black Messiah, Paul Racy for Sound of Metal, Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami, Sasha Baron Cohen for Charles Chicago 7, and Daniel Kaluuya, the winner, for Judas and the Black Messiah. That's the confusing part. If both Daniel Kaluuya and Lakeith Stanfield are supported actors, then, then who is the lead in that movie? Jesse Plemons? Like... <laughs> Yeah, because they wanted to win. The truth it's is the, that it's the camera that that's the main character. To me, Lakeith is the lead, and supporting is Daniel Kaluuya. And who won is who should have won because he was absolute like that is a powerhouse performance. Like he deserved he deserved to win. Showed for Best Picture when it was up is like one of the best acting moments of the entire year. Pounding on the 
pounded on that. What what are those called? The po- podium thing? Yeah. Yeah. Is that the I am a revolutionary? Scene? Yeah. That's so like, good. That one of the Oscar. I mean, he's amazing the whole movie, but that scene is like, damn. <laughs> like, like I, I think he should have won. I'm glad he won. However, I love it when randos get Academy Award nominations. So it was great to see Paul Racy, mm-hmm. just a random character actor who just appears in random TV shows, gets a Best Supporting Actor nomination because he was amazing. He was great in the movie. Like that's another one that I really did not expect him to to get a nomination. I was like, you know, in my dream list, I was like, oh yeah, sure, I would love to see him nominated. But I, he absolutely deserved it. He was phenomenal. I mean, he like, he was subtly angry. And trying to be calm and everything, and then when he shows him that he got those things, and he has to, he's like, "I have to ask you to leave." And he just slowly, you see him breaking down. Is like, "I don't want to do this, but I have to." Well, that's his life in real life. Acting's a part-time gig. His full-life gig is as a sign language interpreter of like courthouses and stuff. And it's just incredible, yeah. Where you see that kind of performance come out of nowhere, and it's like. Wow, he is really something else in this film. He it's such a like a subdued, gentle, like emotional performance. Very subtle. If Daniel Kalia wasn't in the picture, I think he should have went to Paul Racy, but unfortunately he is and it made it hard. Sasha Baron Cohen should maybe be up there for Borat. Should not yeah. be up there for Chicago Seven. That was not good. No. I haven't seen one night in Miami. And the, and the Keith Stanfield wasn't really supporting. So. <laughs> yeah, he's the lead. To me, he's the lead. That was, so that was, that was confusing. His name comes first in the title, Judas. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think that's a really, but, but again, this is a tough category. I think it's, I think the right person won. Mm-hmm. But then we have Best Actress, which is Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman, Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman, Andre Day for United States versus Billie Holiday, Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and the winner, again, Francis McDormand, <laughs> Francis McDormand for Nomadland. See, I always made the joke that Meryl Streep could take a shit in a bucket and still win an Oscar, like, on screen. And Francis McDormand basically proved that theory right by... We had an Oscar for shitting a bucket on screen. Thank you, Francis. Uh, I do think of the nominee, I think she had the best performance, personally. Yeah, I haven't seen United States Billy Holiday. That's the one that I think a lot of people thought Andre Day should have won for. <laughs> I've only seen Nomadland, so I can't really comment. I'm going to set, like, hot take time. <clears throat> yeah, I didn't think Carrie Mulligan was good in Promising Young Woman. She was not. She was weird. <laughs> to be fair, the script was bad, but I don't think, like, I don't know if it was her or she just didn't fit the character, but, like, everything felt off. Like, the performance did not feel very authentic at all. When she would get serious, it almost made me laugh. It did, yeah. It, like, like it, that opening so over, over the top. sequence, right? Where she does yep. the flip right before the title card. It's, like, it's so bad. Like, it's so poorly delivered. I'm, like, I was shocked. I'm, like, this is... I thought when I was watching this, I would be like, at least the performance is good, like with Joker or something. But no, it, it wasn't good. Francis McDormand is great, though. Yeah, that Wait. really. I like Vanessa Curry, but I haven't seen pieces pieces of a woman, so I can't speak on that. Yeah. Now we have best. Now we have the most. Now, now we're at the category. Oh uh, yeah. The most controversial category of the night: best actor. The nominees are Stephen Yoon for Minari, Gary Oldman for Mank, Chadwick Boseman. 
for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal, and Anthony Hopkins, the winner for The Father. We talked about this earlier. Um, also a stacked category. Yeah, it's a really stacked category. Alex, being the one who's seen The Father, thinks that Anthony Hopkins deserved to win. Like, I was honestly, like, upset going in thinking that he wasn't going to win because this is, like, legitimately, like, not recency bias, not anything. This is one of the best performances you will ever see. Well, you stopped watching. I remember you stopped watching the awards. I'm like, dude, Hopkins won. <laughs> I was like, what? Because <laughs> I stopped because, I mean, Best Picture is what I'm there for. And I'm like, well, I know McDormand and um, Chadwick Boseman are winning, so I'm just going to tune out. I think a lot of people thought Chow Boyden was going to win. I think he, he was... I mean, they chose the best um, As good as... Gonna, I mean, Riz Ahmed is amazing. Chadwick Boseman is a great actor. Gary Oldman's a great actor. Stephen Yoon was really good. Um, and, and I like him a lot in general. Uh, but yeah, no, to me it was... Anthony Hopkins was at a different level than everybody else. I've only seen two of these, but... I would have given it to Reza Ahmed out of the two I saw. Yeah, he was. I mean, he, he 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 was really good. He seemed like he took a Xanax before he presented the awards. <laughs> but he seemed he he was good in that movie. Yeah, that's the next like subtle nuance performance that was great. Yeah, and those are the best, right? The ones that had that physicality. Yeah, which is which is what I mean. Gary Oldman had Reza Ahmed had they have that just. I mean, Gary Oldman. I don't I don't think it was his best performance. No, no, because it it was way too dialogue heavy. It was way too kind of kind of kind of preachy at times. Talking like this, yeah, very Gary Gary Oldman. I'm acting. I'm Gary Oldman. I I change my voice and I talk like this and I get all grumpy. He seemed okay. He seemed a little too over the top sometimes when he was drunk. He might have been miscast. He might actually have been miscast. And like it's good, but like I definitely went in. Like I thought he was going to knock it out of the park. Now we have best director, which is Emerald Fennell for Promising Young Woman, Lee Isaac Chung for Minari, David Fincher for Mank, Thomas Vinterberg in the run, and the winner Chloe Zhao, Nomadland. But the real winner what? is us. The real, the, the real winner is us for Aaron Sorkin not being nominated for Chicago Seven. Thank you. I was already calling it like because it was so expected. I was like, "That's going to be the worst direction ever nominated for best director," and then it wasn't. He was replaced probably probably with Thomas Vinterberg. Yeah, which was I was pleasantly surprised by that. I'm I'm still like, where the hell is Judas and the Black Messiah? Because the direction is the best part of that movie. Yeah, stunning I mean, that he that he was nominated. I mean, I mean, it's so boost on the ground. It reminds me of Battle of Algiers with some of the yeah. direction of the action sequences. Promising Young Woman is also probably really horribly directed. Um, not to keep bouncing out jumping on this movie. But the blocking was so weird. Why was every camera shot set up like a Wes Anderson movie? This is supposed to be like a thriller, but it's like framed like like Wes Anderson. It's like super loose framing. Everyone's always at the bottom or the bottom corner of a frame, which I would expect like super tight framing for a movie like this. I think my my main problem with the direction too is like I feel like you got the nomination just because it's stylish, but the the style actually detracts from the themes and the subject matter. The way this like colorful poppy kind of style completely clashes with everything else, and it doesn't work. 
Yeah, the bubblegum colors, I think is what they call it, but it doesn't yeah. look good to me. No, not at all. David Fincher for, for, for Mank. Good. Yeah, it's a good direction. Yeah, it's a good direction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your thoughts on Mank? That's eh, good. It's a good movie. <laughs> every, well, every aspect of Mank, that, that's the reaction. The problem is, is there's better David Fincher movies. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I mean, Vinterberg's direction was great, definitely deserving. But I mean, I would say Chloe Zhao like deserved it. Like she was, you know, she 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 deserved it. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's one of the main things with sometimes when directors get nominated for movies that it's like, it's like it's not his best movie, so it's like uh, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. I mean, Chloe Zhao killed it with No Man Land. I mean, I mean, the direction made that movie. Yeah, that's the whole. I mean, you get somebody else in it. It probably doesn't work because it's so like, it's so focused on like those details. And again, like the nonverbal storytelling. Like when you rely that much on it, you have to kill it in the direction, and she does. A movie where ninety percent of the actors aren't actual actors requires a yeah. great director. And we, I mean, I, I mean, she got it. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the actual nomads that appear in the movie are fantastic. Uh, I'm sure Francis McDermott helped them along too. I mean, you know, yeah. by having- you got to give him credit. I mean, probably for never acting on camera before, not to be looking in the camera. Or, they did a very good job. Woman she's friends who has the van next to her. Like that was a great performance. I was honestly, I thought that might get awards nominations. She was great. Yeah, I mean, the movie was great. Is it my favorite of the year? No. But I gotta give it to Chloe Zhao. Um, the, the colors, everything about it, especially the whole documentary feel of it, the whole boots on the ground kind of look into nomad life was fantastic. Had, and, and it's like probably my favorite style of directing, but that thinking about it, like that had a big comeback this year with this and um, Judas and the Black Messiah, a sound of metal kind of feels that way. Yeah. Like this very like gritty, straightforward, like, or just like, like you said, boots on the ground, straightforward feel. You, you feel like a passenger mm-hmm. in their journey. Yes. It's not, it's not mockumentary per se, but it's still very cinema verde, handheld cameras. Um, gritty, very, very personal style of directing. That's the best kind, especially when you have character-driven movies like Nomadland. Yeah, Chloe Chloe Zhao, I think she deserved it. Uh, But I do think Jason Black Messiah probably is the big um, snub from that category. Some might say it's Sorkin, but... Some would be... No. (laughs) (laughs) He's a good writer, but when you give him all control, he he hams it up way too much. What one reveal? Like I, I didn't like the sc- screenplay in this either. But one comment I saw that like made me laugh was, "It's a shame that a great writer like Aaron Sorkin has to be held back by a director like Aaron Sorkin." <laughs> I saw that review. That one was funny. <laughs> that made me laugh too. For him and Fincher back together, see what happens. But now, boys, we're on the big one. Mm-hmm. We're on the we're on the award of awards, or what should have been the award of awards. I think until I was it wasn't snub for this category too. Not snub, but like one I'd like to see. Best picture. We have Trailer Chicago Seven, Sound of Metal, Promising Young Woman, Minari, Mank, Judas and the Black Messiah, The Father, and the winner, Nomadland. So let's just let's just go down the, the Two line of these are not like the others. <laughs> <laughs> Trial of Chicago 7 should not be up here. This is a lifetime. 
This is a Hallmark Channel movie. This is a Disney movie. Take this yeah, out. The way it ends with that freeze frame and it's like, go, I'm like, what are we in a laugh? We had an after school special movie. I laughed so hard when they they just like jump out of nowhere and the whole mood changes. They're order, order. Like the whole way it's presented is so unintentionally funny. It's so cheesy. And it really sums up the whole movie. It's it's so stereotypical. It's so cheesy. It's some lifetime courtroom movie. It feels over really. the top. And I was excited I for this. this was, until I saw the trailer. This was one of my most anticipated because it was Sorkin and because of the subject matter. I don't think it was irredeemable. I think the, the actual like riot scene, I think it was actually very tense. And I think it was actually pretty well done. But the actual courtroom stuff is so, I mean, the tones are all over the place. It doesn't know if it wants to be a drama or it wants to be a comedy. Really, Sasha Baron Cohen shouldn't be in it because him and Jeremy Strong, which, God, I love Jeremy Strong, but what are you doing, bud? Horrible miscast. Yeah, yeah, yeah ter- terrible miscast. They, like, every scene, t- the, the tone changes because Eddie Redman and Mark Rylance will do, like, some big emotional speech, and Sasha Baron Cohen makes a fart, and it's like, ha, 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 everyone's laughing. Like, it's so all over the place. I feel like those, those stand-up scenes that add nothing into the movie are only there to 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 give Sasha Baron Cohen more to do as Abby Hoffman. Yeah. I feel like that's the only reason why, why they actually exist. Every element of this movie does not work, in well, my opinion. And I'd like to know how historically accurate it was, but why is Eddie Redmayne hanging around with... Uh the lawyers and everything going to all these people to meet with them. It's like, I, what? Yeah. I don't think you should be there. That's not how this works. Usually the attorneys would be yeah. on, on their own. There was a lot of like talk about that. Like the inaccuracies are just like how it was portrayed. Like, why are we focusing on these people and not this person who was a bigger part of the trial? Like the, the biggest, like most shocking parts that actually happened are barely focused on like a gagging an actual defendant that happened. Mm-hmm. And it's like that, and then it's over, and then that part of the storyline is barely a part of it after that. And he's never heard well, from and, again. Well, yeah, and it's used, it's used in the context of a story to drive the other characters to make decisions. It's yeah. not used to 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 build up Yaya Abdul Mateen's character, who is one of the only real good parts of the movie. It, they use the I'm torture. Why I'm the, here too, man. When he keeps saying that, like I'm wondering why I'm here watching this movie too, buddy. <laughs> but 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 they use gagging him as a means for the white characters, like Mike Martin, Rylance and the other lawyers, them to have their big moment. No, mm-hmm. what about his big moment? He just got gagged. Like yeah. the balance is all over the place. And they use it's, it to alienate. Uh, Eddie Redmayne's character because he stands up and all of a sudden it's like everyone's talking about that. It's like so over the top. And the whole like cutting back and forth in time thing does not work. I don't think like no, it the, does not whatsoever. It takes you out of it. It becomes like a music video. It's not. It's not a good movie. But you know, but you know, is a good movie. Sound of Metal. Oh yeah, I I stand this movie hard. Like what was it when it dropped on Prime? Like September October, I was like yelling at everyone, "Watch this now! <laughs> Watch this movie!" It's it blew no, me away. No idea would get this kind of awards love even right before the nominations were announced. I didn't know if it would get anything besides sound and and maybe Riz Ahmed. But it got a lot, and and it deserved it. 
Yeah, it, it, it's truly, it's truly great. Yeah, for for me, it was it was number one for a long time. There were some that competed with it, like Judas. Uh, for me, Nomadland got close to those two, but until the father, like Sound of Metal, was my number one for sure. It's so good. It's. I, I, I mean, I we we talked about it a lot earlier, but the sound is great. The acting is great. Olivia Coleman, no, not Olivia Coleman. Cook. What, 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 Olivia Cook, fantastic. Yeah, it took me a minute to recognize where I knew her from. And it's got uh-huh. that, you know, it's very emo- emotionally like resonant and true, but also very subdued. Like it's got this quiet emotion to it the whole way through that's just very powerful, especially when you stick the landing that well at the end. Like, and wow. It made me want to want to learn more about the deaf community. I think it portrayed mm-hmm. them in, in, a, in a very good light. Very positive was, light. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was very realistic it was heartbreaking mm-hmm. it, was, it was it was a truly heart heartbreaking movie because well, i feel like this could actually happen you're just waiting for riz ahmed to break and then when he does it's just like not too over the top but just perfect because well, it's a story about a man who goes deaf and tries to rather than accept what he has has to try and regain what he lost mm-hmm. and i think that that's just a very powerful um it's a very powerful way of looking at it. Well, and you think yeah, that he yeah, is accepting it, and then all of a sudden he has a moment of weakness and just runs off and does it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it manages to be very universal with that overall theme, but then it's also very focused also on like understanding the deaf community and those struggles. So it's like you're taking a again another one that has a very important subject matter that handles it perfectly and makes it totally accessible and powerful and now we have another movie that exists promising young woman um, yeah i i don't i don't know what else we can say about this one like that we haven't already said but um i'm gonna it's I'm, i'll just get 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 real with my thoughts on this movie um please don't watch this movie please don't see it um, especially, I, I think it will give you the wrong idea about subject matter in, in, in a lot of ways. Um, a lot of what it talks about, I, I, I guess, I can't get into too much detail, but a lot of what gets into is very personal with me. And I was pretty shocked and disgusted by how it portrayed it. Um, and I don't want people to watch this movie it's it, it it doesn't know what it's it it turns what could have been actually a thoughtful concept into this weird joker-esque revenge fantasy that somehow doesn't even have like any compelling actual revenge either <laughs> it's not satisfying at all no and, but oh we have this dramatic gotcha is so stupid it's like are you is this movie for real right now we have this pop song that's super dramatic now oh boy here we go <laughs> come on like i, 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 honestly, I like exploitive d- disgusting movies about this subject matter that like you know all the revenge fantasy ones that somehow handle it better than even than this does <laughs> which says a lot about this movie <laughs> Um, yeah, I want to crap over Emerald Fennell. It's like one of her first big breaks. I want I, I want to crap all over, her. but it, she needs to she needs to make some films that aren't like this at almost any level. The fact that this this movie so, is up here, and again, not Borat is is a shame, but 
that's I guess I think all we can really say on it. Again, don't watch it. But then we have Minari. Alex, take us away. All right. <laughs> this was besides Mank, I think probably my most anticipated movie that came out in the past year. I uh, just like I saw the trailer. It looked amazing. I've said Stephen Yeun is a great actor. Really liked him. You know big walking dead fan the first couple of years liked him in that um and just again it's an interesting subject it hasn't really been done this way at least on the surface it doesn't but that's the problem it does end up doing like nothing particularly new except the the plot line with the grandma which as i've talked about she carries this thing um but maybe even worse is that it wasn't quite at the level I wanted, but it was almost at the level I was hoping for, for two of the three acts. And then the third act comes along and just like takes everything, crumples it up, tosses it out the window and light, lights it on fire. Like that's one of the worst third acts in a movie. I think overall is good. It's a solid film. I think that's one of the worst third acts I've seen because it's so rushed. It just completely tosses away a lot of the stuff it's been building up. Oh, just kidding. This doesn't mean anything. Oh, just kidding. This doesn't mean anything. Oh, we're going to introduce this new source of drama now that we forgot about for two acts. And then it's just going to end. So it's really that's really my big problem with it is that third act. And then it makes the whole package as a whole feel a, a bit weak. But overall, like I have mostly positive thoughts on it overall but it is a little disappointing it's like it's like a three and a half out of five movie that should have been a four or four and a half like so so you would still recommend it yeah (laughs) (laughs) i would say it's not like convincing yeah it's a solid movie am i gonna rush out to recommend no am i gonna say if you watched it be like oh yeah it was a good movie if you come across it on the tv check it out I'm it's sure like, it'll be on streaming eventually. Ford v Ferrari. Oh, that was. So <laughs> <laughs> that one was like quintessential dad movie. That was like, yeah, that's as good as it could have been. Probably this Wait, is like, man, this but, could have been so much better. Well, Minari seems like it's a quintessential indie movie. It is, and it's it, it seems like it's, it's that movie that that all your friends at film school are like, dude, you gotta see Minari. It's not in English for the entire movie. You have to see it. (laughs) Uh, Next up is Mank. Eh, That's good. (laughs) (laughs) It's better. Like similar reactions, but this is better. Yeah, Mank is better. I like Mank. My most anticipated. uh, I haven't said this yet, but my but my biggest issue with with Mank is the movie that we were promised is not the movie that we got. The movie that I was told that we were going to get was going to involve the the fight between Wells and Mank over credit for this and Kane and their in their battle kind of in the media. Not 5 minutes of it. Yeah, and it's barely touched upon. The actual making of this and Kane barely actually barely plays into the movie at all. Most of it until it expects to be important at the end. <laughs> yeah, at the very end, it's like, it's like yo, this, this whole film has been about. Um, what's it? What? I'm make sure I get, get the right Mankiewicz. It's about Herman Mankiewicz's um, Herman Mankiewicz becoming disillusioned with bit with old Hollywood and, and becoming disillusioned with the with, with the Hollywood socialite scene and and falling out of favor with his formal social group and basically deciding to go to war with Hertz, who was once his friend. 
I will say one fun thing about this movie was all of a sudden when they're all at the house talking and they're talking about Hitler and everything and I'm thinking when the hell was this made and I had to look it up I'm like oh right uh Citizen Kane came out in 1941 and the World War II was still going on I'm like wow you things you forget about yeah and I think all the like and it kind of jumps a little all over the place. Like, oh, we have the politics in California at the time. We've got the studio politics. We've got the Hearst stuff. We got the Citizen Kane stuff, and all of them separately are interesting. And it lacked a through line or or an much of a character arc to connect them all. Like, I don't know. I don't know why some of those parts are in it. It's a very loose movie. Um, I'm about to make make a bold statement that, that I probably shouldn't make about Mank, but. A big problem with Mank is that it was written by David Fincher's father, which I think probably stopped it from from getting some rewrites it desperately needed. Yeah, I think I think that's fair. Like, I, I, and fair. I get not wanting to change it because like this was your, your dad's dream project, not wanting to change it. But I think it it did need some more drafts or just a little bit more to connect it or maybe some cutting uh, of some of the the excess plot lines. It's very unfocused because that, because the, the story it concludes with is about it's about Wells and Mank. Which has nothing to do with with the, with, with the movie that you got before. It doesn't actually conclude. Which is more interesting than what you were watching. Yeah, it's really frustrating. Like the the whole thing, like with those two, their drama and also them versus Hearst is such an interesting historical story. Like Hearst trying to silence, you know, is Hearst going to silence the film? Like what's going to happen? And that really was barely a part of it, especially when you have Hearst played by Charles Dance. <laughs> <laughs> He's in like two scenes. But, but yeah, but yeah, all the interesting parts about the making of Citizen Kane were not explored, and the stuff we got was was interesting. I did like the whole plot about the disillusionment with Hollywood. I think that's actually a really good, that's a really good B plot that they made the A plot and it doesn't work as the A plot. Cause I don't think, and I think it's interesting, but I think what should have been cut was like the whole political race in California because it's interesting on its own, but it really doesn't have anything to do with, with Mank himself. Yeah. It relates to his disillusionment, but so much is spent on that specific part of it and the race itself that it takes way too long and it takes away from the rest of the story. You definitely could have yep. cut that down. Yep. I, I, I agree. <laughs> I, I, I agree immensely. So, but overall, I think it's very good. Like I, I really enjoyed it. It wasn't as high. You know, I was like, oh, this is going to be like a 10 out of 10. Like this is going to be the best movie of the year. It wasn't anywhere close, but it was, st- I would, it's still it's a great movie. It's, it's got a lot of really good aspects. It's well made. The ending falls flat. It's like the anti sound of metal. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, at the end of the day, my my thoughts on it are pretty positive overall. I can't unilaterally recommend it because I know that many people will not like it, especially if you have no interest in old Hollywood. You're gonna not have any interest in this. If yeah. you don't like if you don't like black and white movies and mono sound, you're not gonna like this. But if you ha- if you like movies, it's a it's an interesting story. Yeah. If you want a movie about movies, watch Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> <laughs> that is also in black and white, but better. <laughs> it's a shot on film. It was meant to be in black and white. Anyway, we're getting into the last few movies here. A movie we've talked about quite a bit. Drew Judas and the Black Messiah. Probably should have been up for, for more awards. Yeah. Such a good movie. I'll take what I can give, but man, it was blew me away. Like, that's another one where it's like, 
it could have been a Chicago Seven. It could have botched the subject matter, cheesy, whatever. And instead, it's this gritty, insanely tense, like very factual, very nonstop pacing. It's always moving to the next thing. Very realistic, and that makes it much more powerful. Yeah, it's a great movie. Like that, the there's a point. Superb. Where, like, Cinematography's great. Everything keeps escalating, and you're just like, "Holy shit! How did we get here?" <laughs> like, because it just keeps escalating more and more and more. Like, and like the, yeah, and that's how the characters feel too. It's like, how the hell did we get here? Like, how did this happen? It's 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 a crazy story. It's so intense. It, it, it's heartbreaking. I mean, I love Lakeith Stanfield. Anything he's in. I'm in. Um, Daniel Kaluuya is also growing on me as an actor. I love, I love him too. Great movie. I mean, it's. I think it's one that kind of went underlooked. I don't think it had a lot of really a lot of buzz going for it. It was kind of a victim of the anti of the negative PR that Warner got for the HBO Max decision. I think I think that thing that partially played played into that is that it it, it was a victim of that. I think when it hit, it got big, but like there wasn't a lot of like pre-buzz for it because there were there were films this year that had covered like chicago seven like five bloods that had covered kind of similar subject matter and it was like it was going to get buried in the awards under those maybe and then it just shot right past them when it came out because it it was actually good it was actually a a good movie it's excellent uh next up alex take us away we got the father rubbing my so, hands here we go. for too long if you know that you could yeah well i talked a lot about it with, with screenplay but just as a whole i mean the direction is the same way how it handles his perception of time is incredible but like there is not and will never be a better film on this subject matter and it's something like alzheimer's dementia it's something that's very much a part of our lives and that tons of people deal with all the time but on both sides but having it dealing with someone who has it and it gives a very heartfelt powerful perspective on it and especially like the way it puts you in his shoes and actually you see it from his perspective and that's not something that a lot of people think about is what is it like to deal with this yourself. So, I mean, it's incredibly powerful. It's top, uh, top to bottom, perfectly made script direction performances. Anthony Hopkins kills it. And he'll just stop on a dime. It's like the way he is, he might be friendly one minute. He might be nasty and almost violent the next second. Like, it's crazy to, to watch him. And yeah. really, I mean, just the way it handles it and a powerful ending it's a knockout film and for me it was definitely the best film this year i'm still waiting for a celebratory tiktok about, <laughs> about, about winning the oscars i lost his social I, media i think he posted yeah, something on instagram yeah he did, he, he did have his speech video i'm waiting for his dance video yeah he, 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 the head banging video is one of my favorite weird internet nuggets <laughs> I love it so much. He seems like a weird, fun dude to hang out with. He does. But now we're gonna end on the on the winner movie that we've all seen, but that that we've talked about quite a bit so far. And that's Nomadland. Um, Yeah, I mean, I don't think it should have won Best Picture, but I'm not really mad at one. No, I mean, you you can argue that it shouldn't have won, but you can also argue that it did. It should have won. So I mean. It's not one that's like, it's not like Crash or something that won. Yeah, for me, for me, that's all I can ask for. It's like, uh, obviously, I love to see my favorite one win. There's some years where it's like so good that it 
can't be ignored. But like for me, I want something that I think is great and is a worthy winner and definitely Nomadland to me. It's not my favorite. And I think it's in my top five, but like it's not my number one. But like it's a worthy winner. You can easily make a case for it and it's great. Yeah, it's beautiful movie, great direction. Frances McDormand kill, 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 kills it. She, she, she like becomes that character, which is what you always want to see. Um, I, will, I will say I was really happy to see a couple of the real nomads from the movie were on stage with them when they accepted the award. Yeah. Swanky. And I think Julia was the other one. Yeah, I think like, so. Like, like they're, 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 they're up there. They got their moment, too. Um, I kind of wish Swanky got a nomination because she was... Yeah, she was great. She she was really good, but the movie itself, yeah. Do I do I do I think it should 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 have won? Probably not. No, but am I mad at one? No, 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 no either. It's 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 te- it's te- it's technically sound. It's technically a good movie. Can't argue yeah, with it. Mm-hmm. I just wish it had a little bit more in the screenplay, a little bit more oomph at the end. Yeah. Maybe maybe an actual plot that was an issue I kind of had with it is. I wish there was more of a through narrative. Yeah, but I think you kind of get that with like her dealing with what happened with her husband and the the town she was in. But I mean, I don't think those people really have those kinds of problems where it's like they're thinking that far ahead and it's just kind of going with the flow. It it, it just meant that the movie lost me at times. Especially oh no, yeah, it definitely lost me at times too. That's where I'm kind of like okay. Get on with it. That's kind of why. It's straight Rain's house. Come on. Well, that's kind of why I'm like. That's why I would. I would have picked Sound of Metal from the movies I've seen because it's like it captured my attention from the beginning to the end. Oh, I love that's that. The question I was actually going to ask is what movie that you think should have won. You know, you know mine. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, yeah. Promising young woman. Uh, <laughs> No, I'm actually probably with Justin. I'd probably give it the sound of metal. Yeah, I, that or Judas and the Black Messiah. Yeah, th- those two were, were close for me. I ended up like I, I flipped back and forth, but now I've landed on Sound of Metal behind the Father. So I would say watch the Father, and then we'll, we'll see. I, I will. I will put when I can finally watch the Father and Minari. I'm, I, will, I will put my thoughts on those into a future what we watched or some other segment. I will. I will Same. share my thoughts when I see them. But I have not been able to see them yet, so I will get to it when I can. But I want to do one big takeaway from the Oscars before we close the show that I want to mention is it seemed like, except for Best Actor, what everyone's pre-idea... There was no surprises this year. I think that's a big takeaway, is that there's no surprises. The the movies that we thought were going to win actually won, except for Best Actor. Yeah, I think every, everyone thought it was gonna be Chadwick Boseman. I think that was shocking. The screenplay was pretty close. Like I don't know what the actual favorite was between Nomadland and The Father, but Nomadland was the was the favorite for Best Picture for months. Yeah, I think since, since it kind of works because <laughs> each movie has its different strengths. There's nothing that both really rock at. There's like rock, uh, Sound of Metal was sound and. Um, production design was banked, stuff like that. It, it wasn't like the year that Spotlight won Best Picture, where 
Spotlight was the favorite like six months previous, and other films became the favorite, and all of a sudden it won. It it, it wasn't like that. It was we got what we expected. Yeah, I wasn't. Like, now, I mean, last year, last year was pretty shocking. I mean, Parasite was the best reviewed, but it was far from the favorite for anything yeah. except for best foreign film. And it, and it slowly took over. Green Book wasn't the favorite. <laughs> or might have been just maybe that year was just crap. <laughs> that year I mean, was. Black Panther was the favorite for a while. And well, you all you also got to think is if there's two competing big movies that people like, and they put those at one and two, it they kind of negate each other, and then whatever's third could win. Yeah, I think I think that has happened. I do think that has happened because I mean, that's, that's how they that's how they they vote is basically a one two three four what is list and then they calculate the numbers and whatever. Why they should go back to five? Mm-hmm. They really should. They should go back to five. Yeah, I mean, we I get why they didn't go when they when they went to ten because Dark Knight should have been nominated. The next but time, just nominate five. You messed up. Just <laughs> do better next time. And that's a big issue that the Academy has, right? Is trying to make up for mistakes that they think that they made by changing the, the, the show later. It's why Leo won for Revenant. We all know that's why. It's because he should have won for Wolf of Wall Street, and so they gave him a good. Yeah, I mean that year it should have been uh, Michael Fassbender for Steve Jobs. I, I agree with hey. you. You got yeah. I mean, he was good. You guys are much higher on that one than me. Yeah. Well, who should have won then? I don't know. Probably Leo, I guess. Come at, come, come at me. <laughs> Again, it's one of those things where it's like Leo's had better performances than The Revenant. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I feel like Leo wasn't winning for The Revenant. He, he was winning for Wolf of Wall Street. But the the competition was much weaker this time. That time. Yeah. Yeah. The competition was big here. Whitaker and you know like and last king of Scotland like he was facing like powerhouse performances the other times except when he should have won for Wolf of Wall Street he should have won mm-hmm. well yeah the, the, the academy hopefully the academy learns from this Oscars um really what I think the academy needs the, the show needs to be two hours no games shortened speeches I might be in the minority on this, but I really think they need to go get a host again to kind of just keep it on track. I could Honestly, be wrong. Yeah, I might agree with you. They have a host who doesn't do because like we have a so associated host with like the games and the uh, all that other stuff, but like it doesn't have to go that way. Like it can just be somebody who helps move it along. Like keep going. Yeah. Well, really, really, the purpose of the host is to do the monologue, and that's about it, right? It's to, it's to do yep. the monologue show up frequently to be like, here's the next presenter. Tell a couple then, jokes then, here and there. The next man. Yeah, like, like, just keep it moving. And we've gone away from that where you had, you had whatever the heck Neil Patrick Harris was doing. That was, oh, that, that was bizarre. It started out pretty yeah. good and then it just went down. Yeah, there were so many like, bits in that one. Seth MacFarlane was fun. You do have the problem with one Seth MacFarlane segment that was very famous at the time. Is it the We Saw Your Boobs song? Yes. (laughs) Doing that now, like, that's a bizarre that that happened. Like, how is that okay? He's like a whole song for like three minutes in the Oscar about which actresses showed their boobs. <laughs> what what is that? Well, that one gets brought up because it has not aged well at all. For oh, it's not. It wasn't good to begin with, right? Well, yeah. 
Well, the Oscar moments that get brought up are Patrick Harris's weird magic trick that he kept doing throughout the show, the We Saw Your Boobs song, whatever the hell Anne Hathaway and James Franco were doing. Being very high. <laughs> well, at least Franco like, that was. was. Yeah. That, was, that show was wild. And Anne Hathaway was, is trying to carry him, like, come on, do something. Well, She's like that, that was, stick figure, like, poking him with a stick, do something. <laughs> that was back when they were getting just big actors like Hugh Jackman to host, not actual yeah. people that host the Oscars. Can um, we get Steve Harvey to host the Oscars? <laughs> mistake, again. But Billy Crystal. I mean, it's happened already without him. See, at least like Billy Crystal, was he kind of boring? Yeah, but at least he hosts the Oscars like an Oscar host should. Yeah. Which is just moving along. Really? No, yeah, it's a host that's good, so not Kimmel. Get like Conan. <laughs> Kimmel was just, see, but with Kimmel did so many of the games and crap. Right, yeah. And it really steered the Oscars in in, in in a direction. It steered it in where we are now, which is Disney trying to use it to cross promote. Mm-hmm. Like which which is I think it's like eight hundred years old, but like he makes a good host too. Like just keep it moving. Who does? Uh, like I'd say Larry King could do it, but he's like eight hundred years old. He's dead. He's dead. You're right. Holy Larry shit. King is dead. He just died like two months ago. That's right. <laughs> a lot of people well, we died. Gotta... Just watch the um, in yeah. memoriam on one and a half speed. Too many people are dying. Yeah. Was he even in the in memoriam? He wasn't the actor. He was in the well, B movie. Just like industry people. Well, he wasn't in movie industry. He was technically in, in journalism. And just, he just did a couple cameos. DMX was in the immemorial. I'm not quite sure how, but <laughs> not sure what he did. But Larry, Larry King, I can kind of see why not. Um, do you know who I think should host the Oscars? Well, it's Disney. They can do it anyway. True. True. <laughs> but then they're just spitballing. Do you know who should who should? Who should host the Oscars. Alex, you're going to have my back on this. I know you will. Ricky Gervais? <laughs> no. Yes. Norm McDonald. Oh, that'd be See, fun. I, say, like, I love Norm, but like, do you want the show to be five hours? <laughs> Is Norm McDonald be Norm McDonald? Yes. Yeah, it would be five hours because he'd tell like a ten, um, an amazing ten minute joke. Because he would show up there in like sweatpants and like a sweatshirt. He'd do the moth joke. <laughs> he would like, just ramble on. Like, what? What? Why am I here? I don't know what I'm doing. You all suck. Got- all the stars. All the stars are here. Who watches movies? <laughs> and then just walk off stage. But it but it needs, like, was Ellen the one with the selfie that started the whole yes. we have to make into a stunt? Yes. Have yep. the stunt segment. Yep, that was her. Because because that's where we're at. Is you have the stunt segment, like like, like Jimmy Kimmel with the Trump you up, like like in the tweet one. That's a stunt segment. The um, one where they got all the actors to go to a movie theater where a bunch of people were what, supposed to be watching A Wrinkle in Time. Yeah, that's right. And they like came with like snack. They get a bunch of people to watch A Wrinkle in Time. <laughs> <laughs> well, because it's Disney's theater. Yeah. They went to the El Capitan, which is right next to 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 to, to, to the Kodak. They went to the El Capitan with like like snacks and like gay people snacks. Chris Rock was good though. Want to get all like those Chris oh yeah, he, Chris Rock was good. Yeah, I still can't. I'm still. This is like years later. I'm still mad about the time Eddie Murphy was going to host it and then backed out because I would have loved to see Eddie Murphy host. Well, that that hasn't aged well either. Because you do you know why he he quit. Uh oh! Why? Because they fired Brett Ratner. 
And so, and so he left to be in solidarity with Brett Ratner, <laughs> which has not aged well at all. It is really bad. Like that's that's, that's a, right. now, now I can't be sad about it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry to burst your bubble, but yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> All right, we should wrap up. Yeah, probably. Probably. But we're it's like, Oscars, man. We're two hours and seven minutes. Hey, listen, we're doing the Oscars. It only makes sense that we ramble on for, for yeah. way longer than we should and need to. <laughs> so what we do. Playing us off. Yeah, it was right out of the Valkyries. I think it's open domain. Throw that in here. Play us off. <laughs> I will say that to randomly go back like stuff because I I never got to mention it, the stuff we would have liked to see. It, it definitely started to feel like an either or with Sound of Metal and this movie, but I would have loved to see some love for Palm Springs and it got nothing. That's true. <laughs> I, I, was great, Borat. I was hoping for a screenplay nomination. I would love to see Borat could be up for Best Picture. Yeah, that would have been cool too. That that and Palm Springs either one of those I would have liked to see up for, for best picture. I mean, it is hard for a, a rom-com. I, I don't even normally like rom-coms, but like to see one get up for the big awards is very difficult, but this is one that like really stood out, especially in screenplay. And with uh, Christina Milati and Andy Samberg, they were both great. And also the, uh, the cameo by um, what's his name? How am I forgetting his name? J.K. Simmons. I love J.K. Simmons. All right, if you want to see J.K. Simmons do coke, watch Palm Springs. Anyway, we, we've been rambling for, for way too long, so uh, much like the Oscars. Thank uh, my producers. Uh, I would like to thank the Academy, my producers, my children at home. Um, the babysitter watching them. Time. It's not your bedtime. Why are you watching? Uh, um, also, um, don't drink milk. Hashtag Mutu. Um, <laughs> what? What is beef if not cows persevering? <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's time to stop. Thank you for listening to an episode of Idiot Plot. As we talked about the Oscars, what do you think of our thoughts on the winners and losers? Well, let us know in the comments for listening to this on YouTube. We want to hear what you have to say. Um, but like and subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, we're on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Anchor FM. We're also on Facebook. Hit us up. Let us know what you think. And like us to keep in touch with all, everything we got going on. Otherwise, for Alex and Justin, I'm David Yannis. Thanks for listening to Idiot Plot, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.